Hello and welcome to the EOS Podcast, where we interview top-notch entrepreneurs and inspire you to take action. Perfect. Yeah. So Ryan and Lindsay, welcome to the Evolution of Success Podcast here where we talk about successful people and break down kind of how they have achieved the seemingly unimaginable. So welcome to the show. So we're taking oh, people and step-by-step step breaking them down, like Jared said. So we want to start off at the beginning, because obviously you guys are in the shoe resale business. You're hitting crazy numbers. It was 160000 last year, was it? It was somewhere around that. That was your numbers you posted online? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did over 200 gross, and uh, we profited close to 160. That's awesome. Those are crazy margins. Great job. Um, so we want to start off at the beginning and we'd like to start off with obviously you guys are a couple and you're doing this together. So where did you meet and how did that happen? Um, we met doing other business ventures and he was trying to get his, my business to work with his business. Um, business to, on business. Business, yeah, business to business. And then I definitely was like, let's not, let's not talk about business. And then we started a relationship. <laughs> and then now 90% of what we talk about is business. Um, yeah. yeah, so it was just through some other ventures and kind of um, started reselling within the first maybe six months of dating. We really got into um, selling random shit. And our, our, our second date, I asked her to go with me to pick up some free, some free stuff that some guy had on his front lawn. And so I said... <laughs> We can probably flip this for money. Do you want to go with me and pick it up? And she was like, oh. On his front lawn was under like three feet of snow. This was in- <laughs> oh, my Lord. And, and we're still- but- You guys never actually sold that, right? It was just a memento, yeah. but that really got things going. <laughs> it was a test, and, and we, she passed. And- <laughs> That's perfect. So going into a little bit of how you got started with shoes, how did you guys get into that industry? So we were trying a little bit of everything uh reselling in addition to the other jobs that we had and we came across the situation where we had lost our other jobs and so we were pushed into a scenario where we could either go get another job that we didn't necessarily like but we would obviously make us money so we could pay our bills or we could try this reselling thing and see if it would allow us to pay all our bills and we decided to go all in uh on day one and we saw the reason we picked shoes is one we we liked interacting with shoes and two we actually saw other people selling their used shoes on facebook marketplace had no concept that you could actually resell used shoes and in terms of supply and demand we had some extra shoes in our closet so we basically had free inventory to start with so we started with the shoes in our closet we posted them up on facebook marketplace we, re- we realized really quickly that uh, there was a big demand. And so we started looking, we sold through the shoes in our closet. We started looking where else we could get more shoes. That brought us to thrifts. That brought us to um, places like the bins where you can buy shoes by their weight, which is, you know, a couple bucks per pair. Then we grew into uh, sourcing new shoes. And then we decided our business model and uh, we were off and running. So we started with kind of like, putting pressure on ourselves to pay all our bills. And within the first month we paid all our bills uh, by reselling shoes and we enjoyed it. The key was uh, pulling from both ends. We obviously had to make money, but we had to enjoy it. And we had both of those things with shoes. So we decided to keep going. So you started off by selling the shoes that you already had in your closet. 
So where was the transition? Did you see that? Well, you saw the market, which you told us about, but when did you go to the thrifts? And like, when you first figured that out, what was the strategy when you're walking in? Like, what was your, your plan? Yeah, well, we didn't have any more inventory. We yeah. sold all the shoes in our closet. So we had to, we knew that there was inventory out there. We just didn't necessarily know exactly where. And then a, a friend of ours said, Hey, you know, uh, the local thrift has a shoe section. Maybe you should check that out. And so we just drove to the local thrift and realized that, um, one, there was a lot of pairs that didn't make sense to resell, but two, if we were strategic in what we picked up, uh, we could actually make some money. So we were picking up pairs for under $10. We were bringing them home. We felt obligated to kind of clean them up a little bit. So we did that and then we'd resell them for $25. Um, and we did that over a thousand times on Facebook marketplace. And then we kind of quote unquote hit our ceiling on Facebook because we were meeting with people all day long, every single day. But there's only, it's local. When we were doing it, it was local delivery. So there's only so much time in a day that you can meet with people locally. It was, I mean, we literally sold over a thousand pairs before we realized you could eat, you could sell them online and ship. <laughs> so then we realized, oh, hey, you know, it'll we'd be able to sell more if we could, you know, ship them rather than deliver them. And so we started doing some research and we looked at the Ebay's of the world and the Poshmark and Amazon and Mercari and uh, literally probably two dozen other marketplaces. And so we started to to learn and some some made sense. Some of the marketplaces made sense and other marketplaces didn't make sense. So we just as, as we always do, we narrow down to a game plan that we enjoy that will allow us to hit our financial goals, but also give us, you know, freedom during our day. And, and we've done that since the beginning to now where we're, we're shipping out uh, 25, 30, 40, 50 pairs a day um, and making more money we've ever made and any job we've ever had. We also, when we were starting and we, yeah, we sold through, you know, we probably had 10 pairs or something that we sold through. So we had a couple hundred bucks and we put, you know, a little towards our bills and then we needed to, you know, we knew we needed to reinvest it in more stuff to multiply our money. Um, so we would take $25, which is what we would get from one pair. And we'd go and we, we would find five pairs of shoes. So we knew that we could take that $25, get five more pairs, turn that into five times 25, 125, 125 bucks, then we have a hundred to put away and another 25. And we stayed with that really small budget for a long time and just making sure we brought in enough money and we're putting, putting enough aside to pay those bills mm -hmm. while still making sure we're bringing more in. We've done a couple, we call it follow the flip where we take um, 25 bucks and turn it into a thousand. And that's pretty much exactly what we did that first month was we started with the shoes in our closet to get that 25 bucks and then we just went from there and compiled it on and but so yeah to summarize you guys actually started from nothing you took the things in your closet you <laughs> sold them locally on facebook marketplace you reinvested almost the entirety of your sales back into purchasing new inventory and this has snowballed into what you have today yeah our like Lindsay said our buying budget was 20 25 bucks a week when we started and now we buy thousands of dollars worth of shoes uh every week that's crazy and when you first started i, I noticed that you guys had the 25 dollars for 50 miles delivery program can you talk a little bit about that yeah it's a combination of of me not thinking through what i'm saying and first of all the re the, the thought process came up was how do we eliminate friction in the buying process and so our marketplace was facebook and there's no way to 
look up comps or look up completed sales as there is on other marketplaces. I mean, you can jump on eBay, Amazon, Poshmark, and you can look what a shoe is selling for. So before you spend your money to buy a shoe to flip it for profit, you kind of have an idea based on your buy cost and what they're selling for on that marketplace. There isn't that on Facebook. So what we did was we jumped on to a bunch of listings and we looked in the comment section of each listing and we realized that there was a lot of friction at the point where the seller would say, okay, uh, you know, come to my town and you can pick them up. And the buyer would say, no, come to my town and I'll buy them. And the sale wouldn't happen. So randomly one day without thinking through it, I started on our post saying, we'll deliver to you anywhere within 50 miles. Uh, I didn't really think about how far that was. <laughs> and our business model, again, eliminating friction was, every single pair that we sourced was $25. Mm -hmm. So people just decided whether they wanted it or not. It wasn't like, you know, $25 is an affordable price for a, a good pair of shoes. Um, so it was, there wasn't a lot of haggling going on. And when I said the 50, 50 miles, I clearly I had no depth you perception. Had, you had of like what, highway miles in your head. Yeah. Like, that's going to be half an hour. No problem. So think about that, right? Like, 50 miles yeah. is a lot more than what's on highways, especially in Maine. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, and parts of New Hampshire are within 50 yeah. miles of where we live. So we had, so the good thing was we, we eliminated all the friction. Then the next problem we had to overcome was it does not make sense financially to drive 49 miles and deliver a pair of shoes that right. cost $25. So again, what we did is we honored our word, but as we would drive the 49 miles, we would say, hey, uh, does anyone else in your family or any of your neighbors, are they interested in buying pairs? If you buy three pairs, we'll give you a fourth pair free. Uh, so then what happened is, of course, we made some of those trips where it didn't make sense, but we, we, we focused strongly on building relationships. Then our 49 mile trips turned into selling 20 pairs at that stop rather than just one. So it made sense to drive that far. Then the word of mouth went around, hey, this couple's driving around Maine, bringing shoes to us. And, and it, instead of us saying, here's some shoes, do you wanna buy them? We had a whole request list, people just waiting to spend their money. We just had to find the shoes that they wanted. Yeah, the delivery was huge. Wait, really quick. Because there are so many people in our community and in everyone's communities that don't drive. Like I was surprised at how many people on the buy and sell page would need shoes for their kids or shoes for themselves or their spouses or their parents or whatever. And they didn't even have a way to get to the Goodwill, the Salvation Army or wherever. Um, so for like, we would show up, it was, it was really fun and rewarding yeah. to think about some of the moments where we would literally fill the car and show up at like a family's house and they would like open the garage and there'd be like four kids and the parents and we'd outfit the whole family. And otherwise, like, I mean, we were yeah. just solving problems um for you know for them not having the time to get to the store the desire to take four kids to a store i can't even imagine <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and then anyone not driving so it's just like yeah no excuse not right. to excuse right so obviously as you guys started traveling and creating a little bit more uh relationships with people who you were selling to looking back now how important would you guys say that relationship building as a whole is important in what you guys do it's everything. Mm -hmm. It's everything because, I mean, obviously in a business world, you want to plan, you want to project as much as you can. Mm -hmm. But the, the point of building relationships are for doors to open up that you don't plan for, that you can't imagine. 
And that happens so many times for us. Uh, it's the classic word of mouth scenario where like, if someone's happy, they'll tell four five, six people. Uh, if they're frustrated, they'll tell 400 people. Right. But if you please someone, they're, they're, they're excited to say, this nice couple came. Uh, I got a great pair of shoes at an affordable price. It's so, it's so awesome. It's so crazy. They drove to me. Um, and then you gotta, it can't just be all kumbaya. It's gotta make sense business-wise. So we always made sure we were looking at our numbers and what turned into what was a mistake on my part to not think through the scenario our entrepreneurial spirit came out and said how do we solve this problem without um going back on our word and uh, it ended up being super fruitful yeah. i mean all the relationships we built in those scenarios when we made the transition to sell new shoes which obviously was a, a lot higher buy cost right. we already had thousands of relationships of people that trusted us so there was a lot less risk in, in our business when we made that transition of, of spending more on inventory. Awesome. And a lot of what you guys have done from like my personal conversations with you, it's had a lot to do with adaptation of trying a bunch of different things, seeing what works, and then pouring gas, as you said, onto the stuff that's working. So yeah. what can you give some examples for our audience of, of times when you've tried multiple different things and then you really isolated and focused on one. Yeah. So, uh, our, our game plan to offer pairs at $25 first started from uh, a price point based on looking on all these other listings. We realized that a couple of things were happening. Either people were selling pairs for, for too cheap, based on what had to happen. I mean, you had to meet somewhere, you had to sort of sell a pair for $5, that didn't make sense. But also some of these pairs to sell them for 60, 70, $80 didn't make sense to us. So we looked at, we had access to inventory at the local thrifts. We could consistently find inventory for under $10. So to put a $25 tag on that made a lot of sense. Now you, you brought up this idea of adaptation. We got a lot of pushback from other people trying to sell shoes on Facebook Marketplace because, oh crap, now they have to put in more work because w when they used to be able to every once in a while sell a shoe for 60 or $70, now we're coming in and flooding the market with $25 really good inventory and we're going to deliver to these people. It didn't make sense to spend more than $25 on that. So not only did we have to adapt in dealing with other people um, you know, quote unquote, trying to, trying to tear us down. They had to deal with, with the market changing. Uh, and it, it brought up a lot of scenarios that allowed us to evaluate, are we comfortable with what we're doing? Um, does it make sense both from a ethical standpoint and from a, a business standpoint and grow from there. And then the transition into new shoes and using markets where we're going to be shipping. And then you got to take in, into account, fees and all this other stuff, uh, literally on a daily basis, we talk about this all the time, is we're evaluating what's working and what's not. People talk about busy seasons and they talk about slow seasons. And over the last almost three years, we've never experienced that because if something is starting to not work as well as we would like it, we change our business model so that it, it spikes. And there's always something you, you mentioned, we always say pour gas on what's working and stop being romantic to what's not. Mm -hmm. Those people, uh, in the example I used, were so romantic to going to the thrift and buying a pair for $10 and then not cleaning them and selling them for 70, you know, they, maybe, maybe they do that once a month, right? Yeah. But 
we felt that that didn't make sense. They were taking advantage of people and we provided an answer to uh, both what the market was asking for. Like Lindsay said, there was parents that just didn't have enough time to go to all these locations, but we also made it made sense within our business model. So we're always looking at how we can adapt, but we're never blaming something outside of ourselves uh, in terms of our success. Like if someone else were to come in the market in that scenario and start selling all their shoes for $10, we're going to be the last people to start complaining. We would just figure out a different way to win while respecting that people could do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Leaving behind things that haven't worked, I think was what got us a lot further, a lot faster. Um, we obviously focus on what is working and go, but the fact that we're not worrying about what's not working gets us so much farther ahead than people that are like, cause every now and again, I'll catch myself, we'll have a pair of shoes and I'll say, Ooh, these are probably, these would probably sell on eBay. Mm-hmm. And then I have to be like, no, we like, I, I do not enjoy that platform. I don't want to sell that platform. There's a reason why we left that in the dust and moved on. And to even spend that, you know, five seconds of my life thinking about eBay is taking away from something, me focusing on what is working. Right. Um, like that hyper awareness of like, even those small things of like, no, forget it. Like yeah. focus on this like. It's yeah. both sides of the scale. It's focusing on what's working while simultaneously not focusing on what isn't working. Mm-hmm. Yep. So going back to sort of like the idea of this podcast is we're, we're building from where people started. So that's when you guys met and you did the 25 and me things. So the continuation of your journey, how did you get from the 25 and me, you transitioned to selling online. What did that process of going from all local deliveries to starting to do marketplaces look like for you guys? Yeah, I think, I think the value in the response we're about to get is when uh, our business is possibly going to take a shift. And so you're using this example of, local deliveries now we're going to go online it's never a flip you know overnight we do everything online we also put a lot of effort and and we talk a lot about what it's going to look like over the next four five six seven months and we set ourselves up so that as we try it we always have a solid base to fall back on so we kept delivering locally as we slowly started to figure out the online model and shipping. And so of course we do all our shipping. I mean, at first it was like one or two pairs a week and then it was like three or four pairs a week. We were still doing our deliveries all day long. But as we mentioned earlier, we felt we had hit a ceiling on that local deliveries. It's the only reason why we decided to look elsewhere is because we had hit a ceiling and we're not, we're not big fans of like something preventing us from growing. So in the game plan to look at new pairs, to look at pairs we could sell online, it was a slow uh, transition, testing it out, seeing how it works. But if for whatever reason, we didn't sell any online that week, we still had all of our local deliveries. So our money was never faltered. There's been other scenarios where we've tried certain marketplaces and in the same thing we just told you, and it has has completely not worked. For example, there's a marketplace, I don't even know if they're still around, it's called Virage Sale with a V. Hmm. and very similar to like a Facebook marketplace where you post your stuff, you know, it's a play on words with garage sale, but it's a garage sale. And we posted maybe a hundred pairs and we interacted and we were working on it every single day and not one sale came through, not even one person, they didn't even reach out and weren't interested. But while we were doing that, we still had all of our other things going on. So it didn't affect our bottom line. It was just like, if this works great, it'll be a bonus. If it doesn't, 
we're, we still got a base. And I think that's super important no matter what business you're in and especially in the reselling businesses, as you're trying all these things, it's compounding what you've already built as a solid base rather than we didn't just randomly one day stop using eBay. we talked it out and we said, hey, we're, you can, no excuses, you can build a big business, but we're not enjoying this as much as these other marketplaces. So let's make the transition into these other marketplaces and slowly get out of the eBay game. And that's what we did. And our business has grown, you know, slowly but surely for, for the and first three still, years. And we like two, I mean, it's been probably like two years since we were consistently selling local. Um, but we'll still every now and again, if we have a pair of boots that we're like, oh, this would make sense to just put on Facebook yeah. for 50 bucks. Like right. we'll do that. Um, and it's nice to like, we're big on, you know, we don't put all our eggs in one basket. Like you were saying, I mean, we're all shoes. So I guess technically those are all the same. <laughs> um, but we'll, we know like if for some reason Poshmark shuts down or Mercari shuts down or wherever we're selling, um, you know, we can sell on Facebook. Like there's always other yeah. avenues to travel down not screwed something yeah else. exactly especially with marketplaces where all the power is in the people of that i mean like for all we know mercari or poshmark or amazon or any of the platforms could say tomorrow selling fees are up to 50 percent. but what's yeah. important about what you just said is you have built-in redundancies where you don't have your eggs all in one basket you can always revert back to doing more facebook marketplace or i know there's some other things that you're building on right now that you'll be able to capitalize on that instead of what you're doing currently but it's really cool how you took what you had and then you applied a new theory and tested it sort of on the side. So you kept exactly what you knew what was, work, what was working and then you tested things on the side to see how they work. And then you made that decision eventually of, hey, look at this is working really well over here. And quote Ryan, we're gonna pour gas on that and we're gonna let that burn. So that's really cool in my opinion, how you did that. So obviously as a pair of working together, there's limitations to how much you guys can source. So how did you guys actually scale your business from going to like one or two thrifts and how did you make it so you can get your hands on more pairs of shoes? Well, when we first started, we went to Goodwill by the pound every single morning. We would go, we'd be the first ones there. We'd get there by like 6.30 because they opened at seven. Um, and we would stay just for the first rotation. So usually we'd stay for like an hour, hour and a half. Um, and we'd get whatever we could get. Sometimes that was four pairs. Sometimes it was 40 <laughs> pairs. It depended on our budget and what they had that was decent. Um, and then we would go back home at the time or to the storage unit and clean them and then list them and do our deliveries and stuff. Um, now. So, and what she's saying is we always look at where do we have access to inventory and you can, you can do online arbitrage, you can do retail arbitrage, you can do thrifting, all these different ways. And then we look in our respectful like area and we see how many thrifts are. And, and what Lindsay's saying is, because our budget was so low, like $20, $25, where can we make the most with this money? And at that time, it was going to the bins because the buy cost was so low. And the most efficient amount of time because it was yeah, just going right. at that time. So when you have a, a less money, you naturally have to put more sweat equity into it. It's not a scenario where you can just find all the gold and not put hard work in. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's always hard work involved, but we're always trying to make the most out of every dollar we spent. And then as we've grown, we've said, all right, no excuses. There's a ton of thrifts within a couple hours of us. So respecting gas mileage, respecting, you know, if we decide to stay over, we start building sourcing routes that allow us to go to as many uh, high volume thrifts. And by high volume, we mean there's a lot of shoes to choose from so that we can continue to be 
strict in our sourcing. Now, some people always respond, well, I don't want to drive eight hours round trip to go to like all these thrifts and you don't have to. Then you go to your local thrift and you say, here's what's available. I either will find stuff that doesn't take a long time to clean or I'll find stuff that takes a long time to clean and I'll have to clean and I'll have to put more sweat equity into it. Again, the no excuses mentality. Uh, the reason that we are comfortable putting all our eggs in the shoe basket is because when you, if you study the market and try to name one person that you know that doesn't wear shoes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like everyone, yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very difficult to find someone who doesn't wear a pair of shoes. So the market's strong and there's, there's people that are always going to be buying shoes Especially in the e-commerce now. Right. So then we look at, like Lindsay said, what can we do with, with the money involved? And sometimes someone might say, I've got a thousand dollars. I don't want to mess with used shoes. So I'm going to study new shoes and then go to the outlet or I'm going to study new shoes and do some online arbitrage, which means you order from a website at a, during a sale yep. and then flip it. Um, and we're constantly doing that. I mean, the, the transition of our business has been used shoes. We started with our closet, used shoes. We got into new shoes and it was like, then it was like 90% new, 10% used. And then we realized, wow, it's not our favorite thing to clean shoes, but we don't mind it. And we can, we can multiply our money a lot better with used shoes than with new shoes. So we decided to put more sweat equity in and we went back to 90% used shoes and 10% new and our business tripled. And now we're always looking at constantly on a daily basis, like how do we either build a sourcing route that allows us to get the most inventory at the best buy cost or do we, how do we build a team or what ways can we maximize our money in the best way possible without lying to ourselves? And selling online has opened up a lot of time for sourcing. Cause like when we could only spend an hour and a half sourcing in the morning, cause we were literally delivering for eight hours of the day, right. um, that was our only option. And so we took advantage of that. Now, if we can, you know, spend a couple days a week photographing listing, we ship every morning that leaves full days of to source. So that's what we do. We usually source, you know, maybe three full days. We're going to go on a big sourcing trip tomorrow. We usually do a pickup from one of our team members down in New Hampshire, or I guess technically Southern Maine, um, once a week. So like, well, we have longer days that give us a little bit more variety of being able to go to, to more stores, but that, you know, we're working with what we have. So. Yeah. So you talked about your team members. How have you brought delegation into your business to expand it? Well, I think with anything, uh, we're very conscious of not being a slave to the dollar bill. I mean, the, the reality is we're not naive in thinking that, oh, we'll just sell a couple pairs of shoes and it'll pay all our bills. So you have to pull from both ends. You have to pull from, are you enjoying what's going on? Is it, is it making enough money so that you can put a roof over your head, food in your belly, shirt on your back? And then we have a little bit bigger goal than that. So can you put a little bit of in savings while still maintaining your growth? And then you, you're, we're constantly thinking about creative ways on how we can free up our time so that we're not literally cleaning and listing and photographing and boxing up shoes 24 hours a day because that wouldn't make sense either. It doesn't matter how much money we're making. Yeah. So we're looking at how we can be strategic with our time. And if what we do is, is not um, like, it, it's a talent to put it all together but really what you're doing is you're, you're going out and you're searching for a valuable item at a, a, a buy cost that is selling on a marketplace. Anyone can do this. And we say that with confidence, yeah. anyone can do this. So because this system is very replicatable among a bunch of different niches, but like with shoes, especially 
what can, is there a possibility that we can teach someone, give them enough value in certain pieces of the puzzle to be part of our team, make a significant amount of money, and then open up some time for us. And we've done that uh, in, like Lindsay said, in, in building out a sourcing team, teaching someone what to look for. They go out and buy it. They are individuals that don't enjoy the cleaning, don't have enough time to clean, or even have enough time to list as many pairs as we're looking for. So their profit is a little bit smaller, but it's immediate and there's no risk. So we've built out a team that way, which has freed up our time. So instead of us going out and sourcing 100 pairs, we can just go pick up the 100 pairs that they have sourced. We keep, we keep close attention, making sure the value is there for them because time is money. And if they're out there sourcing, they have to make a good amount of money. We also respect the market that we're in. We're not going to pay $20 for a pair of shoes that's selling for $20. Yeah, right. We're, we're making sure that there's a lot of info. We're transparent about everything. And with respect to that, it could be applied in any business where, okay, you do this piece of the puzzle, you'll get that much. You get this, you do this piece of the puzzle. And now all the pieces working together, it frees up our time. I mean, we walk the dog 10 times a day and we have plenty of time. We, I mean, we can watch the fights. We can visit family whenever we want. We can take time off, but we know that 100% of our wins and 100% of our losses are, are our fault based on things that we do. Mm-hmm. And so having that mindset allows us to try things, again, being respecting what's working and being honest with what's not and growing from there, delegating some things that we know are repeatable and uh, keeping the things that aren't to ourselves. That's awesome. And so obviously um, to be self-employed in anything, you have to be incredibly motivated, right? So. For you guys specifically, you know, what makes you guys want to get up out of bed every morning and sell shoes, right? What drives you guys? The dog gets me out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just being able to do whatever we want. I mean, it's been the last three, I don't want to speak for Ryan, but the last, I mean, how long has it been? Two and a half years? That we've been yeah. Doing? It's a little over. In June will be three years, so. Like, I have, I have woken up with the complete uh comfortability and knowing that i can do whatever i want right yeah. like that is such a cra- like so many people don't realize that they can wake up and feel that way yeah. everyone wakes up is like oh i have to go do this i have to go do that to wh- i mean uh, we had to go to the dentist the other day that's like one- <laughs> those are the things that are like i don't okay. want to go but i went <laughs> but to have that freedom or like oh we're going on a you know down to visit his dad in florida for five days next month like we don't need to request time off. Like, it's just, it's... It's as simple awesome. as that. It's as simple as doing whatever we want to do. Now, that doesn't come without a ton of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And we don't want people to think, like, yeah. you know, we're jet-setting around the world, doing whatever we want to do. Yeah, right. But because we have that 100% control, yes, we're already motivated. And, and when we had other jobs, we were motivated to do good at those jobs. Yeah. But when you do not have to ask permission from other people to do the things that you want to do in life, and you know that in order to get there, there's, you have to like do X, Y, and Z as, as being self-employed, it's such a freeing experience. I mean, we work hard when we work hard, and we take time off when we take time off. I mean, we literally take time off every single day, and we just chill. But when we're, when we're working, I think the one thing that people miss – when, when you hear this type of message is you have to be honest with yourself. So many people say like, all right, I want to, you know, I'm going to flip cars mm-hmm. and 
they don't put the time in to do the research. They don't listen to what is working in their scenario. And they just say that they're a car flipper, but they're not actually making money. And we're very, very honest with the people in the mirror. And we don't care respectfully what other people think. So we say, hey, is this working? This is the cell phone bill. This is the grocery bill. This is our rent. Like, are we paying it? And the answer is yes. Okay, we want to put X amount of dollars into our savings every week. But this is what we have to do, blah, 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 blah. And we set the goal and we do it. And because we're, we're honest with ourselves, we know exactly what it takes to win and what it, what it takes if we're not winning. Um, and that I'm telling you, we've had some really, really uh, challenging times, especially over the last six or seven months, real world stuff where, you know, people close to us um, are going through some tough stuff. We've gone through some tough stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the stress that is, is gone because we don't have to ask an employer, hey, a friend of ours is going through some stuff. Can I take some time off to like hang right. with them? Right. And they say, no, you can't do that. And we're like, crap, I can't be there for my friend. We don't have to, ha- we don't have, to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so obviously you guys have, have grown your business astronomically over the past couple of years. So in the future, what's next for you guys looking ahead? Um, within this calendar year, our goal is to buy a house for us to live in and to um, have the business out of. And then closely following, it'll be moving into other real estate ventures, some rental arbitrage or um, just some investment properties. But Yeah, we're, we're building, we keep talking about this base, right? We're building the base, our business, uh, a consistent business that allows us to put a hefty chunk aside to invest in real estate. We wanna scoop up as much property as we can for a number of reasons, rental arbitrage. Um, personally, we just want to be able to have a comfortable place to, when we're traveling around the world. Um, you know, we may do some uh, unique ways of the of the rental arbitrage, and that'll grow. But we want to be able to never have to say no to an opportunity that comes up. Hey, this property looks great, either for an investment property or we would like to live there and have it be a comfortable yeah. place for traveling to this country or this part of the us we've got a we've got a place there or, or if family and friends want to visit there they, they got a place to stay um and we're going to continue to resell yeah. the shoes are going to fund that it's going to be the bricks that help build that so now to give you some more um some more easier numbers to absorb mm-hmm. right now we are almost at the what we call the plateau of what we want to maintain in profit every single month to then start saying, okay, we can really start looking at some real estate and investing properties. And it's, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month in profit that we can put aside. We're really, really close uh, to consistently doing that every single month. It wouldn't make sense for us to have a really good month, you know, and then yeah. say, let's go, let's go yeah. buy real estate. We want something that a system that's working and churning. And we really understand what it takes to, to fund that system and then start really putting money into, uh, again, as always, it's like when we took the transition from used shoes to new shoes, instead of spending 10, we're gonna spend 20, 30, $40. So how do, we, how do we create a scenario where that makes sense? But if it doesn't, if the first property we buy gets hit by a storm, I don't know, I'm thinking of something random, yeah. you know, our entire business isn't crushed. It's like, all right, we're back That's to that thing to pull back. Yeah, absolutely. Just like how when you started with your shoes and you did Facebook Marketplace, you tested something on the side and you did a little bit of it, but you still had your base supporting it. And then you were able to down the road, shift your focus into something else. Right. Now that, yeah. 
So for someone that's like, so you guys are obviously at this part on your journey, your entrepreneurial journey. For someone that is in the beginning of it or they're wanting to start, what's your best advice for them? Like if you could give some advice to yourself when you guys first were looking for a new job or you were starting your shoe venture, what is one thing you could tell that person right now? Just do it. And here's the biggest thing. Do not compare yourself to anyone else. Now, it sounds easier said than done, but we made that mistake in the beginning. So whenever we are getting into a new part of the business or when we got into this business, we always try to learn from other people that are doing more than us. Clearly, it just makes sense. Like if you're selling, you know, five pairs of shoes a day and we're selling one, how are you selling five and we're only selling one and how do we learn from you? And so, but the mistake that we made in the beginning, or or definitely me, I won't speak for Lindsay, but I was like, oh, here's this person on Instagram and they're, they're posting pictures of like all these shoes they just bought and holy crap, their, their eBay account has, they're selling a hundred thousand dollars every two months. Like, holy crap. And then here we are, you know, delivering five pairs of shoes 50 miles away. And I was, I was like comparing myself to them and I was like, God, I suck at this. And like, you know, I mean, I, it, it was so uh, self-defeating. And then what happened was it got in the way of just simply trying to improve on what we did yesterday. And I remember us having a conversation and I had said something like, man, I, I wish we were selling, you know, 20, 20 pairs a day. That would be so much better. <laughs> and then saying like, oh my God, I sound so stupid right now because this right, person right. has more experience to have, you know, higher budget, like all this stuff. So it doesn't make sense. Instead, I remember we switched and we were like, all right, Let's learn from them and then build our intricacies into the model and build our own business model. It allowed us to leapfrog some of the mistakes that they had made, which we talk about all the time, which is why we share a hundred percent of what we do. So you can leapfrog some of the mistakes we made in the beginning. Um, and so the, the long winded answer is, is do not compare yourself to other people while you're building your own definitely keep track of what you are doing so that you can say all right yesterday i did this how can i do just a little bit more while i'm grateful for what i did how can i push it just a little bit more i mean to this day we every single morning we wake up we know exactly how many pairs we sold on this day last month and so we've got a, a short-term goal like we've got look a, at this this is every day for the last wait can you see it yeah. the last yeah, three oh wow so what are those? Is that, can you explain are, the infograph a little bit? Those are the number of pairs that we sold that day. Yeah. Wow. Of every single month going back to like super early on. June 2017. So, so like we said, we wake up in the morning and like go to today. So we know when we wake up today that this day last month, we sold 31 pairs. So mm-hmm. we know, all right, our goal is to sell 32 pairs today. And like, what can we do today? And then because we're doing that literally every single day, we can say, all right, like for example, yesterday, our goal ironically was 29, was 29 pairs and we sold 30. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, now if we're doing that over and over and over again every single day, our month is better than last month. Mm-hmm. Now we don't win every single day, but when we don't win, we say, okay, how come? Is it because something we did? Is it, you know, what it is? Yeah. And then we say, and we keep doing that on a daily basis. We don't just wait till the end of the year and say, holy smokes, we didn't sell as much as last year. How do we do again this year? But because we're doing it every single day, our years have been uh, exponentially growing. And that, that's a perfect way to start our podcast because that's really what we're focusing on is like, how do people that are at the beginning 
get to where someone like you guys are? And then how can you guys look at someone else who's maybe up here and not compare yourself, but learn from them and oh, understand yeah. what they're doing and understand like you're not comparing yourself to them, but you're comparing yourself to yourself and trying to beat yourself each and every day. And maybe one day you'll be able to look back down on someone who is where you were and say, yeah, look how far I've come. So this whole conversation distilled down into two things is don't compare yourself to other people and track every single thing that you're doing. Because if you're doing those things, you're going to know. Like, yeah, right. I, guess, I guess the third thing would just be, be honest with yourself. We, we don't jump online and say, hey, we, and say, we sold 30 pairs today. Like, ha, but yeah. we only sold four. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't make sense because we're just fronting. Like, it doesn't, help. Yeah. it doesn't do anything. And a lot yeah. of people are doing that right now. Like, you look at the entrepreneurial space, and oh, a lot of yeah. people are just talking and, and making up fake numbers just so they can get the cloud or whatever that goes with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's all show, at least for people yeah. in my generation. It's all show. So, well, yeah. That stems from, you know, the, the base conversation in that is, you know, why, why are you showing? It's because you value someone else's opinion of yourself. Yeah. And the honest right. truth, I mean, I'm 36 now. She's 29. Like, what? It, and again, I don't want to sound like an old fart right now. But like, <laughs> I, went, went, I went through the stage in my life where I did value other people's opinion. And I thought like, mm -hmm. I had to get the job that paid me $100,000 a year so that I could say I had the job that paid me 100000 and then I was like, oh my God, I'm not happy at all. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm in this scenario where I'm making this money that everyone else is supposed to like, they're telling me I'm supposed to do. And I was like, oh my God, I don't, I like, I'm going nuts. Yeah. Because yeah. I care what other people think. And then the minute that I stopped caring about that, again, it sounds cliche, I know. But you welcome, people get attracted to your being honest. Like, there's definitely people who are like, oh, you guys suck. You, you don't sell 100 pairs a day. Yeah. And we <laughs> laugh. And we call it we love them from afar and it's like <laughs> just just be honest with yourself because then like we're connecting with you guys very genuine people you know we sat down and had a meal with you zach like that's what we live for because it's very real it's very genuine mm -hmm. um and and that so much more comes out of whatever you're building when you're just genuine and you're not trying to hype it up you're not trying to say like blah exactly. blah like and those relationships can always come back around. You never know how those things can help you down the road. And oh, that's so on point with you guys of just being super genuine and developing those relationships. Yeah. So where can everyone find you online? Like if, if our viewers are interested in finding you, where, where's the best place to reach you guys? Well, we're on Instagram. That's like the big uh, melting pot, I guess, uh, at Rinzy now, R-N-Z-Y now. Get it there. Um, we do have a YouTube channel and the reason we mentioned those two places is because those are the places where we're putting out the most information we possibly can. We answer all, all questions that come in. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Um, Facebook, Facebook again, Rinzi now. Twitter. And I can vouch that they're super good with responding to questions. I mean, literally send them a DM and they'll be right there helping you. <laughs> I mean, that's how I met you guys. So yep. thank you so much for that, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, so if you guys want to go check that out, if you're interested in reselling shoes, if you want to just follow some great people, that's where they are. So thank you guys so much for coming on and talking with, with us. Um, I genuinely enjoyed it. I'm sure Jared did as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I love your guys' story. You guys, it's amazing of what you can do by just being good people. You know yeah. what I mean? And being honest yeah. and transparent with who you guys are doing business with. And I think that goes a long way. Um, and, and people in our generation especially really need to hear that. So mm -hmm. thank you guys. Yeah, we appreciate you inviting us on. And yeah. I think that that's a great way to end this is like, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's yeah. shoes or something else, or whatever it is, it's 
a lot easier to just be nice. And I know that sounds kind of like kumbaya and raw and yep. fire, but it's a lot harder to fake things and, and, and be something that you're not uh, online. It, it's easy for us to sleep at night because we're honest with all the stuff that we put out there. We push ourselves knowing that we can do just a little bit better than we did yesterday, but we also respect that we're, we're proud of what we've built so far. And, and so definitely reach out to us, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. Now. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. That's our first episode. Cool. Take care, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Evolution of Success on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star and write a review if you haven't already. Lastly, if you have any questions or suggestions, you can always reach us on social media at EOS Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.